Hey, welcome to the business of sales. I'm your host, Morris Sims. I have over 35 years training sales professionals who are actually business owners. And now, hey, I'm focused on helping those business owners run their businesses more effectively and efficiently in today's very fast-paced, ever-changing world. So on this show, we're going to interview some great business leaders and give you practical ideas that you can use today. So, hey, stick with us, please. We've got great things coming out, and it's going to happen right now. Ron Story Jr. is our guest today on the Business of Sales. I'm really excited about having Ron with me. We uh, we have a similar background in the world of financial services. And uh, by George, he's taken his knowledge and experience and just knocked the cover off the ball doing all kinds of neat things. So let's get into it and have a great conversation with Ron this morning. Ron, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Morris. I, I really appreciate it. Well, tell us what's going on in your life now. What what Back up, Morris. What is a real brief uh, line of what you've done to get to where you are today, my friend? Well, I started selling life insurance for Northwestern Mutual back in 2000. Eventually went on to have eight Allstate agencies. And then when I left Allstate, I ran about 300 offices for farmers insurance. And when I felt like I had reached my peak in what I could do within the insurance business, I decided to start looking at software and software companies. So I took my sales training that I had over in the software world. And I used to have a model that said, I can't code, but you can't sell. Right? <laughs> because <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the software guys, they were proud of what they could build, <laughs> but they were too introverted to sell. So I used to always talk about how we, if this is going to work, we need to work together. We need to take the code that you've built, but my sales skills in order to build a good company. Isn't that so? Oh, I love it. Yeah. So a lot of the venture capital firms in St. Louis would hire me as a sales consultant to build out the sales development reps and the account executive teams um, for the software companies. And then they would go and raise more money and sell the companies. Mm -hmm. I didn't get any of that. So I'm like, wait a minute, I got to stop doing this with other people and get one of these software companies of my own and do that. So that's what I do now. I run a company called PitchDB that helps people to have great conversations like this on podcasts. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's great. I don't code, but you can't sell. I mean, that's just, I love that, man. That is absolutely outstanding. <laughs> <clears throat> Pardon me. We're <clears throat> getting over a, a thing here in the house. The, uh, the interesting part, Ron, is that you've proven, once again, the thing that you and I know very, very well, we're all in sales. We all have to be in sales. And if that's not your forte, it's not a problem, but you need to find somebody to work with who, who have that as a forte because, uh, by George, that's what makes business run and what makes business fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think sales, the word, has has kind of gotten like a bad rep because there's been so many bad salespeople. Yeah. And, and if we just took sales and we replaced it to replaced it with communications, People would say, oh, he's just a poor communicator, right? Yeah. So if we went to the used car guy or whatever that has the stigma or the life insurance guys, we used to all have that stigma. We, we were just bad communicators of the value of what we were doing. Or right. And part of being a bad communicator is lying. So you have dishonest salespeople, all of these other things. But the best salespeople are great communicators mm-hmm. so that in that conversation, you don't feel like they're selling you anything. 
they're just clearly expressing how whatever they have, whatever method they have to help you benefits you. So it's just really a communication skill. And if we could get rid of the whole sales term in people's minds and just say, we're just going to teach you how to communicate better what you do. Yep. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I like to learn. I need to ex- learn how to explain what I do better. Absolutely. Uh, I was helping a group of young people uh, recently uh, get all into the, the idea of answering the question, gee, Ron, what do you do? And you and I would both know that as an elevator talk. But um, <clears throat> pardon me, maybe I ought to wait till I'm totally well before I do a podcast. Huh? The, um, the, the fact is, though, it's like, oh, but I don't want to sound salesy. I don't want to do this. And don't. <laughs> Just don't do that. Don't do it. Just have a conversation. Just answer the question. What do you do? Here's the key. Don't spend the next 10 minutes telling me what you do. Tell me what you do very, very concisely so that I'll ask you another question so we can have a conversation. It's back to communication. It's just what you said, Ron. Yeah, yeah. We've got it down to one sentence. All of my clients, they know they got one sentence to tell me what they do. And if they go over one sentence, then we have a problem. We're going to reduce that down to one sentence. So my formula for being able to communicate what you effectively do is really simple. I help whatever the target avatar is. I help salespeople or whatever, right, to solve this problem, whatever that problem is, without these issues. So in my case, I help coaches to communicate their message and to share their perspective without having to dance on social media, right? That means get on podcasts. We're not on here TikToking and doing all those things. We're just sharing our perspective without having to be making TikTok videos or, you know, goofy things like that. If you don't want to do that, then you probably don't want to talk to me because that's all I know how to do. I help people share their perspective without having to dance on TikTok. I love most people have a fear of dancing on TikTok and having to do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, you should talk to me if that's what you want to do. So once you can get down to that one thing, life becomes a lot easier. I help this group of people solve this problem without this BS. Oh, absolutely. Without having to dance on TikTok. That is fantastic, right? I love your lines. That is, that, I'm going to steal that one. That's, that's yeah, for sure. I'm going to steal that one. That's fantastic. Without having to dance on TikTok. The, um, the fact is, though, that's that's how you start having that conversation. And the conversation always is more about them than it is about me, right? Exactly. Yeah, the problem is about, I mean, the ish, the thing is, you want to talk about the problem you solve, right? Who cares how you do it, Yeah. right? So I'll, I'll give you a great example. Imagine if I reached out to you and I said, hey, I talk to strangers for a living. I reach out to strange people who've never heard of me before, and I send them an email and ask them if they want to send me money. They were like, that's a scam. Who would ever do that? Right? But if I said, hey, I set sales appointments for coaches so that they don't have to dance on social media. Yeah, I want those sales appointments. Yeah. Cool. But that's what we're going to do it via email. Yeah. But the way that I describe it can make it sound very creepy. Or I can make it sound very beneficial to the client that we work with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then when you get into it, it's just a question of helping them understand whatever it is, the service you're providing, whatever the, the problem is and the solution to the problem that you that you solve. And that's where you know, a lot of folks I work with like to think of themselves as educators rather than salespeople. And I understand that and happen to agree. 
Don't have a problem with that at all. If that makes you feel more comfortable, that's fine. I prefer to think of myself as a professional salesperson, but that's just me. So, yeah, man, I think you're right on target. You're absolutely on target. How do you, how do you find, Ron, that, that the podcasting world is going right now? I mean, it seems like everybody's got a show, and there's a zillion of them out there, and everything's going to YouTube, right? Well, a couple of things have happened. In, prior to 2019, or I would say up until you know, the world shut down in 2020, there were about 600,000 active podcasts. Mm -hmm. But during the time when everybody was in the house and they didn't have a lot to do, podcasting, there went up to about 2 million new podcasts within that two-year period of 2021, 2020, and 2021. Holy cow. But what we've seen is that podcasts have dropped back down because um, – the podcast only lasted about six episodes because yep. people realized, oh, I can't get rich from doing this. And the only people who are watching are my friends and family because I didn't have a marketing plan <laughs> in order to grow it. If they didn't already have an audience, they didn't survive. Yeah. So in January of this year, even though it had gone up and added 2 million new podcasts, the number of active podcasts are back down to about 600,000 active podcasts today that are survived that that spark of, of people wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think you brought up something very interesting. If you think of um, the, the, the mindset, the mindset shift that's happened is this podcasting used to be audio only, yep. but the problem is that it's not very searchable. So when you, when I get done listening to this episode, it's not going to recommend five other episodes for me to listen to. Right. But if I watched, on YouTube, YouTube has a, a little sidebar that's going to recommend five other videos for me to watch the next one so I can discover something new. Since podcasting didn't have that in, a, in its audio-only format, mm -hmm. people start putting it on YouTube, start putting in, put the videos on LinkedIn and on, um, on uh, Facebook and other platforms. So now it could really just be the Ron Story Show. And then podcasting, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, these are my distribution points right. for my show. Yeah. And now I can take the cumulative views on all of those platforms and count that when I'm buying ads or when I'm selling ads to other people, because I can say I have this many views across all of these platforms versus just saying I have 75 downloads on my podcast. Right, right. Ron, how does who should have a podcast? I guess that's my first question. Who do you think if you're out there, you're running your own business, you're trying to start your own business, you want to be a, a, a independent professional salesperson for some product? Who should take the time to really try and get on podcast and be a, a guest or run their own show and be a host? Well, I think anybody who has a perspective to share, right? Mm -hmm. So in the past, the world was controlled by megaphones. ABC, CBS, Fox, Oprah Winfrey, like these people that had these big shows, right? Or they had a big distribution point, right? But you got a generic audience that was watching Oprah Winfrey, Phil Donahue, Geraldo Rivera, ABC, CBS, Fox. These were generic audiences. Now, when you turn on your television, you got 400 channels, right? When you go to YouTube- And, you and, there's, and there's nothing to watch. There's 400 channels and there's nothing to watch. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know why? I'll tell you why that is. We're going to make the point. 
the the 400 channels are there, but they're so generic that people prefer to go to watch YouTube and find the specific thing for their specific audience, the thing that they want to hear or watch. That's what podcasting did. We went from a world that was controlled by megaphones to a world that's now controlled by microphones. So I would rather listen to a podcast that has 5,000 listeners, but it's talking directly about the things that I care about in the way that I care about hearing it versus yeah. listen to Oprah Winfrey. And every two weeks, she may have a guest that I'm interested in. Yeah. I know if I listen to your podcast, it's going to be about something that I care about every time I turn it on. I don't have to hear about this random actor and this gossip, why they got a divorce. No, I don't care about that. I just want to hear this, right? So podcasting, anybody who has a perspective, they should be constantly feeding their audience, you know, more information about how they can help, but how, how they can get better just by having that audio or video relationship with them. And it's, it's such an easy thing to do. It's not difficult at all. I, I've, I've had a blast doing my, I don't know, 250, 260 shows so far. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how it, it grows so rapidly. I mean, Ron, I get five or six people asking me if they could please be a guest on the show every week. And it just, it's, it's amazing how many folks want to get on and talk to anybody about sales and the business of sales. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also very interesting to me. Uh, as to, to exactly how it all comes together. Um, how do you take a podcast and make it work for you? I mean, it's it's great to get my perspective out there and to be able to share with folks what I think about sales and business, but how does it, how does it become worthwhile for me to take my time to do that? Well, so I think a lot of times there's different stages in the sales process, right? So with a podcast, there's several ways to monetize that podcast. You can sell ads or you can use it as part of your sales funnel to educate those people who are not ready to buy just yet. Right. So they can come on, they can listen to the podcast. They can see you on other people's podcasts and they can get ready to buy based on that. Now they're further along in the, in the sales funnel for you so that when you meet with them, you don't have to go over the basics over and over again. Mm -hmm. I wish podcasting existed when I was a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual, because I got tired of teaching people how to pay off debt. I'm having yeah. the same conversation with everybody. Every time I meet with them, I'm like, dude, I wish I could have just made a YouTube video, sent <laughs> it out to everybody before I met with them. They could have learned how to pay off their debt. And then when they wanted to invest or buy more life insurance, they could have met with me then, but I didn't have to have that student loan conversation or credit card debt conversation I could have just sent them that and said, hey, buy this term insurance until you pay that off and then come back and buy the whole life, right? But we didn't have that. So we had to have that conversation over and over and over. Podcasting allows you to warm those people up. It gives them a chance to try you out. Yeah. You, know, you know, when you find out you have a terrible financial advisor, when they've lost you money. Yeah. Why not just find that out early? <laughs> like, <laughs> let me listen to a couple episodes of this dude to see if he knows what he's talking about before I give him a half million dollars in my retirement savings. Yes. Before I give Madoff anything, let's make sure I know what I'm talking about. He's talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, there should be some, there's some red flags. If you let a person talk long enough, they're going to tell on themselves. You'll find out if they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. podcasting allows you to, 
to let your clients try you on to see if you know what you're talking about sales when it comes to sales or if you know what you're talking about regarding podcasting, right? So hopefully whoever's listening to this, they probably get an, um, a clue that I probably understand how podcasting works right. and how to use it as a way to build a business because that's the business that I'm in, right? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense, Ron. It really does. It really, really does. You've built several businesses over your career and this being your your most recent one and and frankly I'm I'm enthralled and excited about it because I've been doing this for a couple of three years now and I, I see a lot of potential going forward. But talk to me about running a business. What are, can you give us a couple of practical ideas about things you do to to work your sales funnel to stay organized? I don't know, whatever is most important to you, Ryan, when you're running a business, what do you think folks need to learn? that maybe they don't know yet? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is to learn to be a bit self-aware about the things that you're good at and the things that you're terrible at. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest thing for me because I would spend so much time trying to strengthen my weaknesses that I just had strong weaknesses, right? <laughs> I'm with you. It's like, yeah, this is. I just need to delegate this to somebody else. So I know that I'm a very good promoter you know, so I can get out and talk about what I do. But when it comes to certain other things, I need to delegate those things. So I started the biggest lesson I learned going from Northwestern Mutual, where it's a one man show type of business to going over to Allstate, where it's kind of an insurance franchise with your assistants that are helping you out. I learned the art of delegating things that weren't the most valuable. So yeah. the things that make the money I should probably focus on those until I can hire someone to do it. But the low, the low cost things that I could delegate to someone else that are low risk and low cost, delegating those things as fast as possible mm -hmm. has been the smartest thing that I think I've ever done because it gave me leverage, right? Um, John Rockefeller said, I would rather have 1% of 100 people's skills versus 100% of my own. Yeah. Right. Because he knew he could delegate that and not have to worry about it. But if he had to do it all himself, then he couldn't have accomplished what he accomplished. So I'm a firm believer that delegation has been the best thing that I've ever learned. Interesting. And then that allows you to focus on what's really important for you, which are the things that you do best. Right. Yeah. Until I can until I can delegate those things. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a constant. Let, let me give you the best example. If I'm running marketing, sales, operations, HR, accounting, I only got maybe 10 hours a day to work. So I got two hours on each of those. I would be better off hiring five people and let them be inefficient during their eight hours of work. They can work at 20% efficiency and still be more efficient than if I work 10 hours a day at 100% efficiency. Yeah. Right. So nowadays with the Philippines, where you can outsource a lot of those tasks for low cost or Colombia, where I live, my entire team is here in Colombia. Mm -hmm. So I can get a master's degree level work done for about 20% of the cost of the same employee in the United States. Wow. Right. So because I can get low, I could use the, the lower labor cost as a point of leverage, I'm able to build a team faster with the same amount of skills, 
right? So I think being able to delegate those things where you have some leverage is one of the smartest things you can do as a business owner. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And again, as I say, it allows you to focus and focus is so vitally important that you're focused yeah. on the right things and that you are focused and not trying to be all things to all people. Ryan, you've done, you've given us some great stuff today, man. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me here. This has been pretty cool. It has been a blast. Absolutely. If everybody else out there, y'all go out and make it a great week. Have a good time. Meet somebody new. I'll see you again next week right here on the Business of Sales.